the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Like many of you, we have moved our family quite a few times in our adulthood. And as you know, when you move from place to place to place, you kind of have to pack up all your stuff and then get it over there. And then usually things get moved with you that you don't often need. And so there's this lovely moment that I find that is deeply satisfying whenever we move to a new house where we get to purge a bunch of stuff that we haven't seen or touched or used or need in years and years. And when we moved to our current house here in Dallas, a friend of mine who lived just a couple streets away said, hey, can we show up? Can we help you do things? And I said, no, not really. We really, we really have it covered. And he said, well, how about this? I've got a, and I quote, a big Texas truck. And he said, and when you're ready, I'll help you load up my truck and we can take stuff you don't need anymore to the dump. And I said, to the dump? What is, where is this dump? And so he explained to me where you could go and you could like back your vehicle in and you could like leave stuff. And I said, oh my gosh, we loaded up his truck and we took it to the dump and it is just like an environmental disaster and so satisfying to actually get rid of this stuff that we don't need in our house. And I did this and I was so much more excited about it than I ever should have been. And then it, I realized, why do we have so much stuff, so much stuff that we don't need this stuff. And I get excited about going and getting rid of this stuff. Why? Why do we have just so much? We accumulate and we possess and we often don't need most of it. We often don't want most of it after a while. And yet the stuff seems to grow on its own. <laughs> we have passages in today's gospel lesson, if you were listening that kind of talks about this overabundance of possessions and how it can actually begin to weigh us down and control us and guide us. And Jesus wants none of that. We are continuing through this gospel of Mark and Mark wastes very little time on words. He tells very quick stories very fast. And today we jump right into a big problem. It's a problem of stuff. It's a problem of wealth. And this problem is one that is not anchored in simply just money. Instead, it's anchored in this idea of treasure. And elsewhere in the Gospels, we hear Jesus give a line that is very important to me. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You see, churches often get those things backwards. We think if people care enough, they'll give. We think if people care enough, they'll give their time, their talent, their treasure. And actually, Jesus reorders that. Jesus says, where you give your time, talent, and treasure is where you will care. And doesn't that seem right? How many of us give our time, talent, or treasure in ways that then become most important to us? And Jesus wants the most important thing to be most important to us. We see two stories in today's gospel lesson that unpacks and twists this idea for us. And both these stories we know pretty well. The first about a man who seems to have a lot of stuff and the second about that pesky camel. And so we're gonna start with the first story in today's gospel lesson. A man runs up to Jesus and he says, how can I inherit eternal life? And then this man and Jesus have a nice moment. 
Jesus says, well, you got to keep the commandments. You've got to kind of play along and do the right thing. And the man, I can imagine him saying, yes, yes, I have done all of that. I'm good. And Jesus says, oh, yes. And there's this one other thing. This one other thing is you've got to sell what you own and give all your money to the poor and then follow me. And the man grieving turns away and walks away. And what Jesus does not do is super important here. Jesus doesn't say, wait, 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 have a half. <laughs> nope, there is no negotiation here. Jesus makes a very clear statement that is really important to us about not being controlled. Now, had that man effectively given stuff away in a different sense and then picked up and followed Jesus, would that have been enough? Maybe. But what's interesting about this story to me is that he was shocked. Shocked is the word we see in scripture. Why would he have been shocked? Jesus is this itinerant, random guy walking around. He did not have a lake house. He did not have an office. He did not have a horse. I mean, he had nothing. He just walked around. He didn't even have food. He kind of like found it on his way. And yet this man who apparently trusted him enough to say, how do I get what it is that you're offering, shocks him by saying, don't be attached to the world. Let that stuff go. And then once you've let it go, come follow me. And yet he walked away. You see, this world teaches us to accumulate. We have all in our own ways been taught how to earn and achieve and accumulate and save and protect. And so this message is extremely countercultural to us because we say, wait a minute, we've worked really hard for all this stuff, stuff. And yet Jesus says that cannot be the most important thing to you. And the problem with wealth is that if we're not careful, it can accidentally and unintentionally become the most important thing. And if it is most important, God can never be. And so then we get to the second story today. Jesus tells the story to his disciples and he says, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. And the disciples were greatly astounded and they said to one another, then who can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, for mortals, it is impossible, but not for God. For God, all things are possible. Now, much has been said about this passage. One of my favorite interpretations of this passage is that the eye of the needle was some kind of skinny little gate into the city of Jerusalem, maybe Damascus. It depends on where you're looking. And that when camels would come loaded up with all their stuff, they would have to actually unload everything that they were carrying in order to squeeze through this little gate, the eye of the needle. So quite literally, a camel filled with stuff could not actually get in to the city unless it put all its stuff down. See that? You put the possessions down, they become less important to you, you can squeeze through, you can get in. And that's a great interpretation, except there's no evidence that that I have a needle ever existed. And so, good, hold on to that. That's no problem. But I think where we can take this story is a little bit deeper. Because although the camel going through the eye of a needle is a great image, the disciples were astounded and said, 
well, then who can be saved? This question that they ask is so very human because think of what they have done. These disciples have walked away from their whole lives to follow Jesus. In a sense, they've kind of done the thing that the man at the beginning of the story wasn't able to do. They've walked away from their stuff. And yet Jesus still says, the camel can't get through the eye of a needle. And so they say, wait a minute, well, then who can be saved? And Jesus makes the big statement of the day. It is impossible for us to save ourselves. But with God, all things are possible. This twist on eternal life, this promise that God makes through Christ, this invitation that every single one of us has to a life that is eternal, is absolutely rooted in and predicated on making sure God is number one. God being number one, starting with God is actually quite hard. We like God, right? Yes, nod. Okay, yes, thank you. We like this idea. We want to be good people. We want to love people. And yet to actually start with God, that's a big ask. It's a big ask because it feels vulnerable. It feels as if we're sort of giving up on something that we've worked really hard to achieve. And yet Jesus's message today has nothing to do with the amount of stuff we have, nothing to do with the amount of money we have, nothing to do with the amount of talent that we have, what Jesus is really saying is we need to start with, make most important, our first priority to be responding to God's love. When we respond to God with love, when we put God first, when we love God with all our heart, then everything else takes care of itself. When you take these two stories together, a challenge to this man and this promise of eternal life, it can feel a bit heavy. Does it seem like good news to you? Because I think for a lot of us, especially Americans, especially right here, this story can feel a bit scary, judgy, rough, sharp, not exactly the good news that we might wish for. And yet, what if instead of thinking that we're gonna lose anything, we allow this truth that Jesus is giving us today to actually free us? What if the good news moment today is that we do not have to be controlled by anything that the world says is important? What we do in our work, the stuff we have accumulated, the power that we hold, we do not have to be controlled by any of it. We can be freed, released, from the control of our possessions, released from the pressure of the worldly rat race that we're all pretty good at, released to follow the Jesus who loves us, not our stuff, not our abilities, not what we have done or what we ever will do, loves just us, freed, freed from the bonds even of our own humanity, in order to receive that eternal gift of life and love that passes all understanding. 
our gifts that we all have are to be shared. When we share those gifts, when we give of ourselves generously, when we make sure we put God first, everything else will fall in line. Today we are being invited to actually give without any reservation, free, free of anything this world holds up. All we have to do now is just say yes. Amen.